welcome back to another episode of Pot on You Loons. This is James. And Pot on You Loons, this is Sam. James, is there anything good going on in your life right now? Well, it was my birthday on the weekend. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I forget, is this Dirty 30 for you or? Yeah, yeah Dirty 30. Dirty yep. 30, nice. Wow. Dirty 30. So, no, it was good. I also, uh, I got a dog last week. Oh, so there's, uh, yeah. And there's I forget, little... what did you name the dog? Uh, Lizzie or Elizabeth, but Lizzie for short. Wow. So, yeah, she's currently out in the uh, hallway sleeping. It's going to be the uh, first night that she's going to sleep outside of our bedroom. So we're going to see how that goes. Very cool. You'll have to post some of those pictures on Twitter for the listeners to see. I will. So, uh, yeah. Anything positive in your life, Sam? Uh, no, I mean, obviously, I wasn't on the last episode. Justin, not on this episode. So Justin, and <laughs> I guess, taking turns being gone. <laughs> I was in Wisconsin for all of last week. So, right, I now work remotely. I work for an all online school. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to take the kids to grandma's house and then I'm going to teach out of grandma's basement. So I, I had a good time there. Uh, caught up with some with some good good friends. I got a lot of friends down in the Madison area still. And uh, my brother and I did see the Wisconsin Badger Michigan football game, which Wisconsin got pretty wrecked. But you know what? It, it was still a fun day out. So I, I had a good time. And hey, your uh, your Packers are winning, so that's good. Even if you need like sixteen attempts at a field goal, yeah, yeah, like just what a weird turn of events. Uh, we're we're recording on a Monday night. We don't need to go into what happened with the football, with the NFL football, but the Vikings made a game-winning field goal. The Packers almost lost on a field goal three times um, in a row before finally getting the fourth one. Which, what a weird turn of events. Uh, fortunately, the Packers were able to pull that out. Because Mason Crosby, I'm pretty sure, okay, I've seen him with a shirt with the Minnesota United logo on it that says Wisconsin Loons. Now, I don't know exactly what the Wisconsin Loons are. If that's like a, you know, club program that like his kid's in or something. Because I know he's he's older for an NFL player and has kids of his own, but... He has a loon on his shirt, so he's one of us. We, we don't want to see Mason Crosby not do well when he is himself. He is a loon, so. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a weekend for, I mean, yeah. We, uh, we, I did not have a very good birthday for my sports teams. Let's, did you uh, have a good birthday besides your sports teams? I had a very good birthday besides my sports teams. I got some really nice presents, hung out with uh, some people, ate some good food relaxed well there you go and that's a good reminder for everyone listening is life is about more than just your sports teams because you're gonna have weekends like this one <laughs> so uh there, it's my, it, it, oh go on go on there's one saving grace is the colts haven't played yet they play tonight they're playing monday night football so hopefully they okay they make it better <laughs> so by the time you actually by the time our listeners are listening to this Chances are we already know if the Colts won or lost. I don't know, but it, it was so funny writing these show notes because when I like we typically write the show notes as the game is going on and there is a very positive tone uh, to to these show notes because for most of the game, Minnesota United up by one, 
U.S. men's national team coming off an exciting win. It just seemed like this was going to be one of those just classic good times, keep the good times rolling kind of episode of Pot on You Loons. Oops. Yeah, that that's not going to happen. So, of course, Minnesota United blew a 1-0 lead and, you know, we're up a man and found a way to lose 3-1 to at home to Colorado. U.S. men's national team were coming off a 2-0 win on Thursday, October 7th against Jamaica. That game was in Austin. It was a fun one. Um, Ricardo Pepe, 18-year-old FC Dallas player, comes off the bench, scores two goals. Exciting times. Man is on um, fire. Yeah. And then you follow that up with a 1-0 loss, a very uninspiring 1-0 loss, uh, Sunday, October 10th at Panama. So I, I, I don't know. Don't need to go much more into that. I know U.S. men's national team fans were as disappointed as Loons fans. And maybe not as disappointed as Loons fans, but you get what I'm saying. It was a tough day for people that were fans of both the Loons and the U.S. men's national team which probably comprises of a lot of our listenership. Hopefully, the U.S. men's national team is able to turn it around Wednesday, October 13th versus Costa Rica. That game is in Columbus. Because, yeah, they need to be in the top four. They're currently in second with eight points. That's three behind first place, Mexico, who has 11 points. Panama also in third with eight points. Canada's in fourth with seven points so we're only one point ahead of fourth now that fourth place spot is not an automatic qualifier they're going to have an additional round of qualifying against a team from another confederation they don't get to automatically be in the world cup so hopefully we finish third or higher costa rica is the first team out in fifth place they have six points so only two points behind us this game against costa rica in Columbus, going to be incredibly important for the U.S. men's national team. But let's get on to the loons. We'll briefly kind of go over the international duty. Um, James, as the international correspondent, do you want to handle this one? Yeah, sure. So uh, loons on international duty, we have Robin Lodd and Jukur Italia playing for Finland. Uh, They lost 2-1 to the Ukraine, uh, and they played Kazakhstan on the 12th of October. Both guys started in the game against the Ukraine, and Yuka got uh, subbed off at some point. Michael Boxall playing for New Zealand. They beat Curaçao 2-1. New Zealand are only playing international friendlies. Wait, so we're losing him to play friendlies? Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. It sucks that we don't have an international break during international duty. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for interrupting. Uh, So, yeah, we lost uh, Boxall to friendlies. Uh, 2-1 win over Curaçao. Boxy was subbed on, so he didn't even start that game. And then uh, they played Bahrain also on the 12th. Roman Metner, Madagascar. Uh, they lost 2-0 to the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, and then they played like the reverse tie and they won 1-0. Uh, Roman started both of those games. And Dane St. Clair for Canada. Uh, one all draw to Mexico, which I know Mexican fans were... Not very happy with that <laughs> they uh, only managed to draw to Canada. Uh, and while the U.S. men's national team was losing 1-0, Canada drew nil all to Jamaica. DSC was an unused sub both times uh, sitting on the bench. Okay. Yeah, and it's right. Like these are the players we had missing for Colorado. I, I guess 
I don't know exactly when they come back. I, I know that the international games are going to wrap up around midweek coming up. So hopefully we have them back next weekend. I, shoot, I should have looked that up. Yeah, most most uh, games finish on the Tuesday, Yeah, if not the Wednesday. So with our game coming up at Austin on Saturday, I would assume that we'll have those players back, whether or not they'll be rested, who knows. But now we were missing all those players against Colorado. We should point out Colorado was missing Kellen Acosta playing for the United States, as well as um, Mark Anthony Kay playing for Canada. So... It's, it's not like it is just all on us missing missing our guys, of course, right? Like, we have some names on that yeah. list. We miss dearly, as well as missing Will Trapp for daddy duty. Congrats to Will Trapp. Has a kid named Charlie. That's exciting. Yeah, congrats. It was, uh, yeah, missed the game because uh, his wife went into labor not long before uh, the game started, actually. I know that that did alter Heath's plans. I know originally... Hassani was not going to start in the midfield. He was going to start at right back. Yeah, anyway, congrats to Will Trap. Hey, he has a baby. I have a baby. Maybe we'll meet at the park sometime and we'll be great friends. Well, he's also got a slightly older kid as well, so who knows? Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. You guys select the same person. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you might even be the same age, actually. He's younger than I am. Okay, yeah, he's, a little, he's younger than I am, too. <laughs> I, I think the only person on the team older than me now is probably Ozzy. Is Michael Boxer not older than you? He's younger than me. I'm 34. Oh, Boxy's 33. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just Ozzy at this point, which I'm okay with. <laughs> hey, at least there's one. <laughs> so, as I said, we were typing up the show notes, and thought it was going to be one kind of an episode and then now we have a different kind of episode so I, I just honestly i just threw the show notes out i don't i don't really think many people listening want to kind of go over what happened how it happened i i mean you all know by now right you all know minnesota united was up one zero off of a who knew goal in the eighth minute assisted by franco fragapane who's just getting goals or assists left and right yeah um, you all know Colorado went down to 10 men in the 57th minute when Hunu drew a Danny Wilson red card, which, hey, welcome back, Hunu. Welcome back to the lineup, getting a goal and drawing a red card for Colorado. Job well done. Right. We're, we're talking 57th minute. Minnesota United is up by one. Colorado's down to 10 men. And somehow Minnesota still manages to lose this game three to one. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess they tried to close up shop. They sub off Hanu for Aguidelo, which has worked in past games, right? Aguidelo has kind of come on in that closing role and has been good at wasting time. I, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, Colorado equalizes with a penalty. Okay. Tyler Miller takes out takes out a, a guy in the 73rd minute, or I guess by the Barrios, time it's the right? peak. Yeah. Did you, so did you see this, by the way, that after the VAR made it a penalty, Barrios went up to the, uh, went up to the referee, like, are you going to give him a card as well? Which I thought was cheeky. Yeah, I, I did see that. I think I had my hands like over my eyes at the moment, just kind of like burying <laughs> my head in shame. 
So I, I wasn't for sure that it was Barrios. I, for whatever reason, I thought it was their coach that did that. But no, it was, it was definitely Barrios. But yeah, yeah. So they equalized so, on the penalty. Yeah. So we're like, oh man, are we actually going to draw this game? Is Colorado going to steal a point out of Alliance? Then they got all three. <laughs> <laughs> then they got all three. Oh man! So we bring on Addy for uh, Finlay in the seventy-eighth minute. Also, did you know? Addy and I share a birthday. So it was his birthday on Sunday as well. Hey, Addy. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Sure, uh, good one. And it was Brent Coleman's birthday last week as well. Thing, things, you, things you find out. We also brought on Hansen for Flagapane in the 82nd minute. Uh, and we're still drawing at this point. Yep. And then our defense breaks down in just a horrible way. And Barrios basically just has an open shot taps it past Tyler Miller to put them ahead in the 84th minute. And then uh, Estevez adds an open net goal in the 93rd minute after uh, Barrios beats Miller to a, to a header at an open field. And then, yeah. In- insult to injury. I, I mean, yeah, the scoreline says 3-1, but yeah, that reminded me of the very few times a year when I watch hockey and someone gets an open net goal at the end. Oh, yeah. So what what went wrong? Who or what are we blaming, James? So when Andy Greeter, uh, he posted on his uh, on his Twitter, Adrian Heath's response to his question about like what happened, why did we <laughs> like why did we basically capitulate? And as far as Adrian Heath could tell, it was because in the first half and when we were when we were up, we were playing all these kind of short balls and we were spreading it wide and we were trying to find gaps and we were creating opportunities and we were opening it up. And then as soon as we kind of got one nil, as soon as the red card happened and then like they scored the penalty, we basically just went to just bombing long balls in and just trying to like shoot as far as like as long and as far as possible, which is just bread and butter for central defenders. And we constantly got caught on counterattacks. I think both both the second and the third goal were just counterattacks because we'd pushed so many people forward because we started panicking and just trying to throw long balls in there. Yeah, this game was not worth watching again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, bet, I bet Grant and Alex are watching this game back a second time. They, they seem like the kind of guys that would do that. Well, I watch it over a second time to pinpoint every exact detail. So I got a question. So there were discussions about whether Anu was offside when the red card happened. Yeah. And whether he was like whether he was offside. Do you think that there should be a red card given if the play was actually offside? Well, no, it wouldn't have been given if he actually was offside, but and I remember the discussion Okay, I remember the discussion, but I don't remember anyone doing a replay to check if Hunu was offside. I'm assuming that that's what Colorado was arguing about, because there was some argument with the RAF over whether or not that should have been a red card or not. Yeah. E- either way, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, that it's could have been those- a bar check if he was offside. That could have been a bar check, and then it wouldn't have been a red card. But I don't think it matters. No, there was a there was a stat from uh, 
from uh, Jeremy Rushing that I'm uh, currently trying to pull up about um, how bad we are when we get someone sent off. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's two draws and one loss now. So we've had we've we've gone against ten man sides three times this year, and our results have been two draws in one um, one loss. Though I think one of those draws was Vancouver, so that almost doesn't count. But <laughs> we uh, well we played uh, Sporting Kansas City and San Jose, who had their reds at like twenty one minutes. So we've oh. So it wasn't Vancouver. No, we never didn't mind. Play, we didn't never mind. Radio, You're right. Thanks. You're right. But um, we've basically played almost 180 minutes with a man advantage, and we have scored one goal and let in four, and not won a single one of those games. So we... Uh, well, I mean, three, three of those of four were, that we yeah. let in were yesterday. But the fact that even so, beforehand, we were one goal scored and one goal conceded in... 140 minutes or 150 minutes is not good. I guess like the thing is like, are you, are you unlucky or is there something wrong? And when something happens once you're like, shoot, like that was really unlucky. Like things just didn't go our way. Not that the Vancouver game has anything to do with this, but the, the, (laughs) you know, the penalty that was called against Finlay that shouldn't have been called, right? Like that's an example of being unlucky. Right, that there's there's no pattern to that. You can't you can't make anything out of that. But yeah, three games with significant time of being up a man and just not being able to capitalize, that is a pattern. And I don't know if it is has to do with the tactics, right? Like it looked like we tried to shut up shop last night. And that didn't work. Nope. If it I happens mean, once, right? Like if it happens once. Yeah. You might say, wow, we're, we're unlucky, but like these types of performances keep happening. And, and that, that's really why, and I, I am not an anti Heath guy. I, I respect different opinions. There are a lot of opinions in our fan base that I think are a little harsh on Adrian Heath. Um, I, I think he's not always treated fairly by the fan base, but right. Like with this team, and with the way the season is going, like it, it does have to come back at the coach. Anyone that's in a leadership role knows that yeah. ultimately the fingers are pointed at you. Yep. And like, so that's why. So the question was what went wrong and what or who is to blame? I mean, you can't blame the international break as annoying as it is. You, you can't blame just being unlucky. I, I think the fingers rightfully are at Adrian Heath right now. This sort of thing just can't keep happening. So I, I guess I'm I'm asking you. I'm I'm asking you and we'll kind of talk this over. I haven't even totally figured out how I'm gonna answer the question that I'm asking you, James. So <laughs> Okay, good. Full dis- full disclosure here, these are not <laughs> thought out thoughts by me. But is Adrian Heath's time up? Okay, he is the fourth longest tenured coach. In the MLS. So it's his fifth season. He's been here since 2017. The only people ahead of him. So Peter Vermees is the longest tenured coach. He's been with SKC since 2009. Then it's Jim Curtin with Philadelphia, who's been with them since 2014. And it's Brian Schmetzer with Seattle 
who's been there since 2016. So, like, right? Like, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> Sorry, the, the villain? The villain. I mean... What are we thinking? So, the thing about it is... And this reminds me... So, firstly, the fact that he's been there five years and is the fourth longest tenured coach is slightly weird to think about, given that there are so many teams. Like, the rate of turnover of coaches and I don't know whether that's a league thing or I mean I think it's something that's happening more and more nowadays like you look at the Premier League and there's there's somewhat a large degree of turnover in coaches there but I think it's you know it's one of these things where people might not know how good they have it until they don't have it like I remember I remember very clearly Wenger out when it came to Arsenal and yeah you know Arsene Wenger had been there years almost 20 years or something crazy I can't remember the exact number but he'd been there for so long and then you know we were sick of finishing fourth basically <laughs> or I think there was one season we finished fifth but we then pushed decided- him out now you get to finish seventh yeah, and then we finished tenth last year or something. Yep. You know, like that's what I mean. We we thought we had it bad because it just had been the same for so long. And once we got a new coach, and then another new coach, actually, we're we're worse than we were before, right? So while I agree there are some there are some issues, you know, I think substitutions is a big struggle. Like just his his substitution management, getting them right pulling the right people off I don't think is a I don't think is a strong point and you know now we're seeing more subs which is good but is it actually good are we just happy that we're seeing more subs but we're not subbing the right people on or off whereas actually last night we probably should have kept Tanu on quite a lot longer and you know should we have even made those subs Fragapane was like amazing and we took Finlay, Fragapane and Anu off and suddenly oh hey we can't score anything and we we let in three goals right so so I mean I mean let's just do a simple kind of talk through Heath's Minnesota United resume the first two seasons were dreadful but we knew they would be dreadful and I wasn't a fan of any I I wasn't a fan of any sort of thoughts of firing Heath based on the first two seasons because that wasn't like competing wasn't the goal we were punting the first two seasons not to use an NFL reference but no one no one expected Minnesota United to do anything during the first two seasons it was just establish become established in the MLS it was a three-year plan the three-year plan was to build a stadium during the first two years. Once the stadium is built, put a little money into the team, get the fan base excited about the stadium. And they did that. They finished fourth in the Western Conference in 2019. They made a U.S. Open Cup final. It was a fun season. We had a good time. We had a great time, honestly. So two awful seasons. People were calling for his job during those first two seasons. I just, I didn't get it. You can criticize his tactics. 
you can criticize his player management, but like in terms of what he was set out to accomplish, right? Like the bar wasn't set too high for him. You, you knew he wasn't going anywhere. You knew that this was a long-term pro- project. Um, you don't see coaches be dismissed during the early stages of a long-term project. And then 2019, no. right? 2019 was great. 2020 was great, right? Let's move into 2020. I mean, MLS is back, semifinal, Western Conference final, another playoff game being hosted at Allianz. Like, I know not everyone was a fan of the guy in 2019 and 2020, but it's, it's hard to imagine yourself moving on from a coach when the team is successful. Yeah, exactly. But now we've pooled a lot of money into the players he's wanted. Like, I, I, I just, I don't get it. Like, is it running? Like, is it getting stale? Is it figured out? Is there well, trouble in paradise? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I was just, I was having a quick look through our games this season against Colorado. This is the third time we played Colorado this season. So in three games, there have been two red cards. So we've had one each. And there have been a total of 11 goals that have been scored in those three games. We've scored three and Colorado have scored eight and we've lost all of the games. But Colorado have scored seven of their eight goals in the second half, and we've scored all three of our goals before 25 minutes. That's what we do. We We score early, and then we hold on for dear life until someone inevitably equalizes or um, even wins. Yeah, so we lost 3-2 on the 9th of May, where we were 2-0 up after 24 minutes. And then the 57th, 71st, 82nd, and we lost. Then we had a 2-0 loss on the 8th of July, where Abila got sent off in the 86th minute. They scored in the 45th minute and the 81st minute. So we never really looked in that game. And then the one yesterday, we scored in the 8th minute, and then it's 73rd, 84th, 93rd. And they had a person sent off in the 57th. So it'd be interesting to see how many and maybe this is the problem maybe we're good when we like early in the game when we score but whatever's happening at half time we just we just don't look we just don't look good and yeah it'd be really interesting to try and find out when we've scored the majority of our goals that would be uh, an interesting well we'll come back with that in the next pod (laughs) once i uh, do some maths (laughs) I was going to say, you can figure that out. I uh, <laughs> No way I have enough time in the day to figure that out. Now, now uh, I, I, we've talked a little bit about Heath's strengths, his struggles. Now, what, what I find interesting is I, I've watched some teams collapse. Or I, I've watched teams just not even full-out collapse, but underperform and you usually have some people on the inside kind of leaking out frustration. We haven't really heard that. I mean, Finlay made one kind of minor comment about not understanding the offensive identity of the team, which is alarming. You had 
that scene a little bit ago where Reynoso clearly didn't want to come off the field, but that's understandable. But I don't really see the players getting upset. Um, at least I don't, I don't see, I shouldn't say I don't see the players getting upset. I see the players looking frustrated that the team isn't winning, but I don't really see the players getting frustrated with their coach. Do you? I agree. No, I don't. I agree with what you say. Like, I think, yeah, it's super weird because when, you know, when people, when, uh, when, um, shoot, what's the word? When a, uh, like a club room or a back room get, you know, the locker room, when the locker room loses faith in the coach, it's generally really obvious. It's quite public in most cases. And, it doesn't really last long after that. But you're right. Like, you don't see it here. Like, players still are kind of behind Adrian Heath and and there's no kind of, like, outburst. And, you know, I think I'd like to see more from, like, more talk from Ozzy as the captain. I think I'd like to see him come out and, and kind of talk more and, and maybe address some things and kind of talk about how everyone's feeling. But yeah, like I don't see Adrian Heath as a coach who's lost the dressing room. It's just, we're getting frustrated. Yeah. And I mean, I, I see on Twitter, people assume that Heath has lost the dressing room, but right. Like my experience is that isn't a secret, right? It's not a secret. If someone loses the dressing room, I understand yeah, exactly. I understand it's the MLS and this isn't the EPL and there aren't, you know, 24/7 news outlets and gossip columnists and all these <laughs> just all these sources. Instead we have like 47 different podcasts uh, per team, at least 47 loons podcasts talking yep. about it. Exactly. And and Andy Greeter basically. So <laughs> <laughs> One man. No, there's there's a few others too, but I I get that maybe there just isn't the the media outlets, but yeah, like I I feel like Emmanuel Reynoso is a big enough star that if he was really unhappy, we would know about it, and maybe that's not his personality, but there's got to be someone on the team. There's got to be someone on the team that would express frustration or someone that was sent away, right? Like the Mason toys of the world <laughs> that would be up for speaking their mind. I don't know. You'd think there would be a leak somewhere if there was frustration in the locker room directed towards Heath. You'd think we would have heard about it by now. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying I find it peculiar that there could be frustration towards Heath in the locker room and we haven't heard any of it yet. Yeah, I agree. Maybe our players would, are just overly professional. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, with players being from so many different teams and so many different leagues, I would have assumed you would have heard something as well, but also I think you also haven't heard that everyone is behind him either. 
usually you hear kind of if there's yeah. times of trouble, you kind of get the captain or some people from the locker room being like, no, we stand behind our coach and we really trust the process and we, we trust where this is going. Okay. Yeah. You're right. And we've heard it yeah. from, um, we've heard it from Dr. McGuire. Okay. We, we, so we've heard it from ownership that right. Like after the first four games where we lost all four, we heard Dr. McGuire come out and say talks of Adrian Heath being let go are, I forget what word he used, but something along the lines of preposterous, but you're right. We, we haven't heard it from the players. You are, you are right there. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's this weird middle ground. We're not hearing support from players. We're not hearing derisive comments from players. We're not really hearing anything from players. Um, there's a lot of Twitter and fan base <laughs> doing a lot of talking. My Twitter is just constantly filled with people hating on Adrian Heath in most cases. Yeah, and I, and I, I know... Right, like I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. Justin is frustrated. We're all frustrated. Like I, I think I think Adrian Heath is in the hot seat. I, I think he has to do something to calm this down. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't think he's a bad coach. Um, and until I hear, right, right, like until I hear like players really expressing frustration, I'm not gonna think that he's a bad coach. I mean, because so far, as we don't need to keep repeating this, so far that's not there. Um, there are examples, kind of going back to my Batman reference of you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. There are perfect examples of good coaches kind of going stale in a position, moving somewhere else and being very successful. And... And there's generally also the kind of new coach effect where the new coach comes to a team and generally they might win their first two or three games because there's that new... The new coach kind of bump, just, yeah. Yeah. In which case, up. we need to somehow make the Western Conference <laughs> final. <laughs> then fire need Heath, to make get, it first. <laughs> get, get, the, get the new coach bump. Yeah. <laughs> But in I mean, all seriousness, man, yeah. what what does Heath need to do to calm things down? What does he need to do to... I mean, we're assuming he's in the hot seat, right? Like, the team has spent a lot of money on players, players that he wanted, with the goal of improving and being true MLS contenders. Well, we're not that right now. What needs to step, happen? Step one is easy. Step one is you need to make the playoffs. That's that's the base, the most basic step. You know, we are one point ahead of Vancouver, who are in eighth, and we're in the last playoff place. Yeah. So we are one point away from not being in the playoffs, and we have six games left. We have Austin at Austin, Philadelphia at home, LAFC at home, Vancouver away, which is going to be massive, Sporting Kansas City at home, an LA Galaxy away. But like making the playoffs and getting rocked by Colorado in the first round, like, is that enough? I don't think so. I think the first step is you have to make playoffs. And I think you have to win at least the first game. I don't think we're good enough quality right now 
to make a push to another conference final. But win the first game. So you're saying that our opinion of Heath will depend on how Minnesota United goes up against either, I, I mean, either Seattle or SKC will probably get a bye. Um, so one of those teams, Colorado or Portland. So we have to be able to beat one of those teams on the road in front of a very excited, um, a very excited playoff home crowd. I think so. Or at least, at the very least, we need to be extremely competitive. Yeah. Like, if we're going to lose uh, or we're going to draw and we're going to go to penalties or something, we need to look We need to look in it. You know, we can't go ahead and then try to cruise out the rest of a playoff game and get smashed or right. just don't even turn up and get smashed. Like, if we... You know, if it's... 1-0 or 2-1 or 3-2 or, or something, but we played extremely good and we just happened to lose to the better team, I think that's kind of enough. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know where it, we were last year. It's tough because I don't know what the season goals were set out for Heath. I don't know what the criteria was for which we're judging Heath, Heath by. I don't know how long his leash is. I mean, I think we're all just kind of assuming as people who watch sports and as people who watch soccer and as people who look and see that Adrian Heath is number four on the list of most tenured MLS coaches with five seasons for the same team under his belt. That already puts him at number four. Now, I know not everyone that left before him was fired. Some of them moved on on their own. Some of them probably retired. I don't know. I didn't look it up. But like these things happen. These things happen. I guess I don't know how annoyed Dr. McGuire is right now. I don't know how frustrated he is right now. He's got to be frustrated. We're all frustrated. Yeah. And I mean, if you look back over this season, we have played Portland twice. We have beaten Portland both times. We have played Sporting Kansas City also twice. We're going to have to play them a third time. The first time was when they got a red card and we had a nil or draw. Yep. And the second time we got thumped 4-0. Yep. Um, and Colorado, we've lost all three times too, like we talked about. So we're clearly capable of beating at least one of those teams. Let's hope we get Portland. Let's hope we get Portland. <laughs> but, you know, we, yeah, like we, when we are good and on point, we, we look good. We can win games. You know, we went on, what, 17 unbeaten after we lost the first four or something. Right. We're not a terrible team. We just, we just have some issues. Well, and and, I think, yeah, and and let's just remind everyone. Two weeks ago, we were, two weeks ago, you were kind, you and Justin were kind of telling me, "Oh, we got to go for that fourth spot. That fourth spot is within reach." Like just two episodes ago, we were jacked. <laughs> two episodes, we were jacked. One episode, we are doom and gloom. This episode, we are rock bottom. Things can turn around if you string together some wins. 
things can turn around. It's just what is our confidence level right now over our ability to string together those wins? And I, I think that that's what we're dealing with right now. But this team has been a roller coaster this year. And there have been times we have been excited. There have been times we've been flying high. Oh, man, I, I hope it happens. I, I hope it happens. Make the we'll playoffs. Put it this way. Get hot. We we should. Okay, we should. We need to beat Austin. Yeah. That's if we don't beat Austin, we've got no hope. Then we play Philadelphia, who are third in the East. Yeah. Well, I mean, hold on on. Like, yes, I I agree. We need to beat Austin. That that is a must win, but it's a must win in the sense that like, it feels like we have to win. It's not a must win in the fact that like enough Western conference teams around us also are not consistently putting up points to the point where they're pulling away. Right. Like we're all kind of doing this together. Yeah. And this is what I mean. So LA galaxy is sixth, one point ahead of us. Real Salt Lake are fifth, one point ahead of us. But LA Galaxy are sixth, one point ahead of us. Vancouver are eighth, one point behind us. And LAFC are four points behind us in ninth. We play all of those three teams before the end of the season. Yeah. So that's real, like, that's the real six-point games. Yeah, six-point games. We also play Sporting Kansas City again. We play Austin and we play Philadelphia. So there are, you know, we are going to play six, eight, and nine as it currently stands. So our destiny is most superbly within our own hands. And yeah. That's scary. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh, let's, uh, let's begin with Austin and uh, go from there. Let's begin with Austin. Other games coming up this week, Tuesday, October 12th, Ford Madison is at New England Revolution 2. Also a big game for a team that is looking to make the playoffs, struggling for their playoff future. Wednesday, October 13th, U.S. Men's National Team versus Costa Rica in Columbus. Let's hope we see something better than we saw on Sunday. Saturday, October 16th, Minnesota United at Austin. Also on the same day, Ford Madison will be at Richmond Kickers. That is all we have for today. Thank you so much for a fun episode, listeners. It's (laughs) it's a joy that you're here with us right now. Hey, peace out and pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Peace.